Hey guys, what's happening? Welcome to Your Forest. I'm Matthew Kristoff. On this podcast, we talk about environmental sciences. And uh, today's episode, we're talking about FireSmart or FireWise for those of you in the United States. Uh, yeah, it's a it's, it's basically a method of preparing your community for the eventuality or potentially inevitability of wildfires coming, especially in this day and age when you know, we're seeing more and more of this happening. I mean, California has seen it, BC seen it, Alberta seen it. It's happening all over the place. Communities are at risk, homes are being lost, and it's only the research shows that it's only going to become more and more regular. This is going to be a new normal. It's not like this is just a weird snapshot in time. It's a new normal that we're experiencing. And the truth of the matter is, wildfires aren't going away. They're here to stay. They're only going to get worse. So, I wanted to bring on Laura Stewart, who is the president of FireSmart Canada. She's a a wonderful person. She really knows her stuff. She she does everything she can to try and promote fire smart activities, and you know just fire smart in general because it's it's extremely important and it's gonna the importance to our society is huge. If if you don't care about the environment, you don't care about whatever. <laughs> you don't care about the environment. You don't care about climate change or stuff like that. That's fine. We can talk just about financials here. We don't talk about that really in here, but just the financial stress caused by wildfires taking out communities is huge and it costs us all money. I mean, this costs the government hundreds of millions of dollars annually to help with disaster relief and that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, it, insurance companies, again, cost them hundreds of millions of dollars. There's no reason why you know we, we shouldn't be doing this just from a financial perspective let alone from the environmental perspective and, you know, actually saving your own perspective, which is, and saving lives perspective, right? I mean, this is really, really crucial that we have to do this kind of stuff. At the end of the day, FireSmart costs government less, costs insurance companies less, costs us less. So there's less economic strain. Uh, there's all kinds of reasons to do this, but I mean, the really important thing, a lot of people don't see the environmental impact. They really, really, really hits home is how much it's going to hit their pocketbook. You know, they want to know how it's going to hit their pocketbook and then all of a sudden things start to change. So I think that's the important thing to point out, right? It's just that it's costing us so much money and we need to understand this. And by taking simple measures, we can make a huge difference in reducing our, you know, our, our reducing our risk of our home being torn up by wildfire or community being torn up by wildfire. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's so simple, but we're so far away from getting there. So we really need to get this word out there. Um, there's huge incentive for everyone to get involved from the individual homeowner to just a community member all the way up to, you know, a CEO of a company trying to make sure that this thing doesn't cost them money in the end. And it's, so we should all be involved. And I brought Laura on. She's, she's really, really knows her stuff. And we talked about everything about FireSmart. So the importance of it, why everyone should be in, you know involved and paying attention to it. It's like, if you live in the middle of a city, it's a false sense of security, man. Like, <laughs> You're you're just at risk as as a lot of other people are. I mean, it's it, it's it's a real problem. It can really, if you want to know why, listen to the episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it was a really great conversation. I really really is happy that she could come on and have a conversation with me about this because I think it's something that's not talked about often enough, um, and it needs to become a new narrative, something that's part of our culture and we just we we're just all aware of. So, uh, yeah. Uh, sponsors for this episode uh green lake forestry thank you so much for everything that you guys have done for me i really appreciate it damaged timber is an apparel company out of uh right out of edmonton here and they're trying to uh promote environmental sciences through the sale of their clothing so 10 percent of everything they sell goes towards a scholarship to environmental sciences students and uh yeah they have really awesome stuff their quality is top notch uh he doesn't mess around when he's when he's He's getting these things made and they're, he tries to get the best quality possible. So it's, it's, yeah, it's worth your money. Check them out. Damagetimber.com. Put in your force 10, you can get 10% off at checkout. Also, finally, and most importantly, West Fraser. Thank you so much. West Fraser is the primary sponsor for this podcast for 2019. And I couldn't thank them enough. They're really, you know, trying to promote good environmental sciences and, and, you know, good stewardship, good forest stewardship everywhere and i couldn't appreciate their uh their efforts to help me out thank you i couldn't appreciate it enough i should say it's uh really means a lot to me um and their funding is made available through the forest resource improvement association of alberta so thanks a lot guys really really appreciate it and uh yeah without any further ado let's get right into it let's talk about fire smart and you know how we can start to make a difference and change our communities and our our, our homes and all the stuff that we can do so let's do this
Stewart. I'm the president of FireSmart Canada. I've been involved with FireSmart, and my introduction to FireSmart was interesting, an interesting one, to be quite honest. I was a uh, public safety education officer with a municipal fire department, and our community uh, experienced a wildland fire, a local state of emergency, evacuations, and homes were threatened uh, mm -hmm. as well as impacted. And I'll be honest, at the time, my focus and attention was on falls prevention, emergency preparedness, home fire safety, yeah. stop, drop, and roll, check right. your smoke alarms, no two ways out. And my fire chief walked into my office and said to me, Laura, after the fire had occurred and everything had calmed down, <laughs> Laura, I, I need you to look into this Fire Smart program. Mm -hmm. So that's going back 14 years ago oh, now. Okay. Uh, and I went, What's fire smart at the time? I and I had no idea. You're not started, the only one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> started to do some research, and eventually it proceeded and progressed to a point where I was involved with the board of directors, invited or nominated to sit on the board of directors, became our local fire smart program coordinator mm -hmm. in the county that I worked for. And led and spearheaded um, the, the launch, essentially, of FireSmart, uh, both education, vegetation management, and emergency planning within within our community. And from there, uh, my career has progressed. And but I've maintained my involvement with the board of directors, mm -hmm. and I'm currently serving my second term as as president uh, okay. and, and chair of the board. Nice, awesome. Yeah. So I guess the like, first question for people that are, and I try to ask this based off of a podcast I did a couple episodes ago called Understanding Science, where it was talking, we talked with uh, a gentleman, Matthew Piper. He was talking about start with why, and he was explaining the importance of starting with why, right? So I'm trying to start all of my episodes that way. <laughs> so just to get people off on the right foot. So uh, why is important for people to understand what fire smart is? And then like, obviously just at a basic level, it's, it's preventive measures, right? But uh, so why, do, why should people care? Why is it important? Right. And when we think about the fire smart program, it's really about living with preparing for and reducing the impact on wild of wildfire on our communities and our homes, specifically our homes. Mm -hmm. And we used to say prevent wildfire from impacting us. That was a, a big term that we would use mm -hmm. nationally and, and, and quite often um, at a provincial scale too. Mm -hmm. But now it, it, we've realized and seen, and the proof is really in the stats, um, wildfire is our new reality and it's not slowing down anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Fire Smart Canada was established in the late 90s, in, in 1998. And since then, and, and it was developed and established because there was a wildfire issue and, and people were starting to see communities threatened by wildfire. Yeah. Here we are, jump ahead 20 years and even or even more. And <laughs> we've um, year over year over year, the scale and the scope and the, and the impact that mm -hmm. we're seeing on Canadian communities is substantially in increasing. In 2018 alone, 11 million Canadians were impacted by smoke. Yeah. And we know that the evacuation numbers are just are starting to grow and grow and grow mm -hmm. and increase year over year. Um, but it's not just, a, uh, and I mean this, <laughs> I hope this is going to come off sounding wrong, but <laughs> it's not just the communities that are being evacuated that are impacted. We're having health impacts, socioeconomic impacts, economic impacts that are impacting things such as tourism because of all the smoke that's being generated. And mm -hmm. it's the finding that balance between we need wildfire in Canada. Well, uh, the boreal forest relies on it quite heavily to, yeah. to rejuvenate. Um, but we also need to learn resiliently, live resiliently with it. And and if we have communities that are built right smack dab in the middle of a forest, mm -hmm. um, there's things and steps that we can take. And we know that and there's research and science to prove that, oh, yeah. um, that, that there are ways to live resiliently with our wildfire reality. Yeah. Well, especially like what you were saying, right? Like, especially considering the climate change situation has only been like amplified more and more by the increased number of intensity and large wildfires that are you know, inf affecting communities, like not, not even just in Canada, like Alberta, BC, and as well as Saskatchewan and even down in the States, right? Like California had the, the campfire there that took out, I don't even remember how many homes and lives. And it's, so it's becoming, it, it seems, and I don't know if this is just, there's, there's people who might make the argument that it seems like it maybe it's just a snapshot in time or just an unlucky period, but it sure seems like the science pointing towards the direction where this is a new norm that we have to get used to. Right. And I love that 
use referring to it that way. Mm-hmm. It, it really is our, our new norm. We, we need to expect this going forward. It's, it's the new reality. Mm-hmm. And science and trends are, are demonstrating that. We, we know that we're anticipating the hottest summer on record mm-hmm. um, this summer, which typically will <laughs> result in intense wildfire conditions. Yeah. And um, it, it, we have to be prepared for it. Yeah. And, and, and one thing that I can't remember who pointed out to me, though, but not only the temperature, but the increased temperature actually extends the wildfire season on both ends. And then there's more opportunity for it and all kinds of stuff. So it's it's kind of every way you look at it, every time the temperature goes up, it's a bad thing for every aspect of, you know, wildfire behavior and that kind of stuff. So And we're seeing that um, mm. across the country, yeah. uh, provinces and territories are, are starting to get started and prepare, train firefighters, have them ready to rumble a lot earlier. And, and wildfire change seasons are, are changing mm-hmm. from a legislative perspective as well yeah. um, by province and territory too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's super important because, yeah, it just seems like it's that that first two weeks, that's where the, the bad stuff tends to happen, right? So it's, right. yeah, no, it's... Yeah, it's it's a it's a wild reality. It's hard for people, I think, to come to terms with that. You know what I mean? But I think it's pretty it's it's pretty difficult to deny at this point. When every summer we have you know two or three weeks where we're it's four o'clock in, in the afternoon and it looks like midnight because of all the smoke rolling over, right? So it's yeah. And the the interesting thing is, and I spend a lot of time talking to Canadians who mm-hmm. are worried and concerned about fire, mm. wildfire specifically, and they and they, they contact me to ask questions and, and what can I do? And those are our spark plugs or champions that yeah. I just wish I could put them all in a room and <laughs> soak up as much ideas and, and passion from them as possible. Um, but but what the, on the other side of the table, there are a lot of Canadians and, and, and it's to no fault of their own. They, they think that the fire department is always going to be able to protect them and the conditions that we're seeing Mm -hmm. and these wildfire occurrences that are happening under these extreme conditions that are impacting communities there aren't enough firefighters Mm -hmm. I always ask my my fire chiefs um, how many structural fires can you handle in your municipality at at one time and the answer I get is typically no more than two Mm -hmm. anything beyond that is a lot and and you don't typically have two house fires happening in a a community at Mm -hmm. the same time so realizing that and when there's an ember shower just pouring down on a community, um, there's things that we as homeowners can do to reduce the impact and, and it's time to start doing it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. It just, it's, it's just, it's hard for people to make that change, right? It seems like such a, it seems like such a, a non-real event until the fire's there and you go, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> so now what, right? Like it's, <laughs> so it's a, it's a, it's a real we don't tend to deal with our problems until we're faced with it. Right. So it's trying to convince people to take that, like, you know, that proactive measure to try and do this is difficult. And I can't imagine being in your position, trying to convince everybody to do that. Right. So it's, yeah. We we have come up with some exciting programs to, to address that, that Mm -hmm. issue. Um, Historically, FireSmart Canada, we want to assess hazard and and risk at a, at a homeowner, at a home within the home ignition zone. Mm -hmm. And we had the trusted old structure and site hazard assessment um, that would look at and identify individual wildfire risks on a property, Mm -hmm. um, quantified and quantify it and and look give it a score essentially for each component of the home nine and a half times out of ten the homeowner would receive an extreme which Mm. for me doesn't really do a lot it it tells you you're extreme and instills fear but it doesn't empower which is ultimately what we're wanting to do is is empower canadians to take action so we've developed the fire smart home partners program which is a comprehensive assessment tool Mm. conducted by qualified firefighters Mm -hmm. who will come in we we train them who come in and uh, conduct comprehensive assessments uh, of an individual private property within the home ignition zone mm-hmm. and make detailed and by component recommendations essentially mapping out a roadmap mm-hmm. for their property and the mitigation activities that they need to implement on their property yeah. and specifically tell them here's your roof your roof is combustible Here, <laughs> here's yeah. why it's important the roof is the most vulnerable component of your home mm-hmm. and here are the fire smart suggestions that we have for you yeah. and in the meantime if you don't have the funding right now to upgrade your roof we get that yeah. but here are some other things that you can do on your property mm-hmm. that will dramatically um increase the the survivability and reduce the vulnerability of the property right so like this is something that from what i gather is like when i first started started thinking about fire smart i assumed it was always you know communities nestled in forest land and stuff like that and i've come over time to realize that there's even places in the city like that you're that you're not safe from that right because 
like you were saying you were saying before that a lot of people well you weren't saying this but a lot of people will assume that they see these big wildfires coming through right and they assume that it's the actual flames from the fire licking the house like and just blowing through the town right so the, like, like go ahead and explain just like what's the reality of that what is actually the problem here, right? Right. Um, that's a huge, uh, everybody thinks that. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's the, um, I think it's the natural thing to think that it's the big wall yep. of flames that's moving through the forest that's mm-hmm. going to come and swallow up and engulf the home. It's not the reality. Mm-hmm. We know through research and science and post-fire assessments that 90% of homes that are damaged or destroyed in a wildfire are, are lost due to embers. Mm-hmm. And it's not the big wall of flames that's chewing up um, mm-hmm. the, the community. It's the embers that are landing on a home five, six blocks away from 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 the forest edge and um, igniting combustible debris, impinging the home, causing the home to ultimately be lost. Mm-hmm. We have changed the definition for the wildland urban interface. Historically, we used to say where the forest meets or intermix with, intermixes with homes, which to a certain extent is true. Yeah. Um, however, we know that the condition of the home and the condition of the vegetation that surrounds a community is really what defines what what mm-hmm. <laughs> what the wildland urban interface is. Totally. Well, no, especially considering... I've had a few episodes on, on fires now and, and everybody keeps bringing up the fact that like these embers, they're not just going like a hundred feet in front of this fire, right? They're going, they can go kilometers, right? Like I think there was, uh, I think there was the Richardson fire. They were saying there was embers going 10 kilometers and lighting spot fires ahead of the fire. So that means that like all it takes is one of those embers to land, you know what I mean? Under your deck or just somewhere combustible and your whole house is gone, right? So it's, I think that's that false sense of security that people feel, especially in places like a city, you know, where you're, you're 30 kilometers or 40 kilometers across and like, oh, well, I'm, I'm protected from wildfires. And I mean, we're surrounded by agricultural land, so it's a little bit different. But in, in, in a city that's, you know what I mean, uh, whatever, like Grand Prairie or something like that, even like it's, it's, it can happen, right? Like if you're, it, it's, it, it can go further than you think. Like I remember when the Slave Lake burned down, I have family, like well, I'm from there and people could see the fire across the road, across the highway. And then they'd hear about houses burning on the other side of town, on the opposite side of town that were going up in flames, right? And like, what the hell's going on? Someone's going around, you know what I mean? Like lighting fires, it's arson or something. But no, it was it was, it was was embers the entire time. So it's, I guess, trying to get that, that point across that just because you don't live in the bush doesn't mean you're safe from this threat, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really what makes it difficult when you're mm-hmm. talking to a person in the middle of a community that is surrounded by forests. But if they're right in the middle of the community, they're like we've talked about already, mm-hmm. it, it's that misperception that their home is safe because they're not right next to the forest. Yeah. But now the exciting part is mm. there's been a lot of very um, advanced research that's coming out of the U.S. And we're advocating FireSmart Canada is really advocating to bring some of that to Canada right. and and, cont- and start to do our own research with from a, a Canadian perspective. Sure. Um, but we're, we're seeing that the non-combustible zone, which is a new addition to the FireSmart home ignition zone, is critically important and can honestly make the difference as to whether or not your home survives okay. and ember impingement. Okay, so let's let's get into that. So now that we've kind of explained the importance of right. it, we can beat it to death a little bit, but it's good. <laughs> it's important for people to understand they're like, what's at stake here, right? So uh, so yeah, let's get into actually FireSmart, like what it is, what it looks like, and then we can get into those zones that you're talking about, right? And then eventually let's get into how people can, you know, start to do this to their own home. Right. Uh, so the FireSmart program, we're, we're really looking to empower the public to take action and ownership of their wildfire risk. We, we, we want people to acknowledge the fact that, you know what, there's a chance that wildfire can impic- impact my home mm-hmm. and then provide them with the tools and empower them to, to take action. Mm-hmm. So that's, oh, sorry. I'll I'll put it that way and then it's aimed in your direction. (laughs) Okay, sorry. And I bounce around like crazy. (laughs) You're high energy. I don't want you to like stifle that. Keep it going. I'm trying to keep myself down. No, it's good. Now it's aimed in your direction. We're good to go. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'll probably end up on the wall by the time we're done. (laughs) I should have video for this, I suppose. I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm missing out. I get teased a lot about it. Well, it's good. You got to focus that energy somewhere, right? I'm glad you're doing this. And, um, well, yes, but, okay, now I'm all excited. I have to calm down and think about my we're answer. Talk- <laughs> yeah, what were we talking what about? What can homeowners do? Right, okay. Really, we we don't, if you th- I always tell homeowners when I'm chatting with them, think back to the winter, you know, that first time that winter 
hits us, unfortunately, in Canada, and the first snowfall happens mm. on, on your home. Where does the snow first accumulate? Those are what I call ember receptors on your home. Pay close attention. I always tell homeowners, take a picture of, of your host after the first, because those are the spots on your home where embers are likely to accumulate. That That's okay. really, embers fall like snow. It's Never not one, yeah. it's, it's not okay. one, one ember that falls or two embers that fall. Mm. And well, I've got crazy videos I can show people um, of just what it looks, what it, uh, the embers that come down like snow or rain um, during a yeah. wildfire event. So pay close, those are the home, vulnerabilities, we'll call them, on your home and property. Pay very close attention to them and do everything you can to build it into your routine. Keep it on your smartphone. Hold, hold put it under my my Fire Smart Action List folder. Yeah. Pull up those pictures of your home after the first snowfall and and look at it in the spring and say, okay, I need to go. I don't have time to do everything, but I'm going to focus my attention mm. on these areas. So things like reentrant corners on the exterior walls of your house, where we have two joints that or, or two walls that that coincide, okay. little nook and cranny. Perfect for what everyone seems to love to put a juniper or a cedar tree. <laughs> yeah. I, got, I, got, yeah. I have two towering cedars right in that nook and cranny at my right. house too. And yeah. I didn't not, put them there though. <laughs> you bought it that way. You, you, but you're, and you're not alone because they, for whatever reason, those little corners seem like, oh, I will just put a highly volatile shrub there. Why not? Yeah. Well, so we always encourage people, get rid of those because mm -hmm. if an ember, it, it, it's we've seen through the snowfall mm -hmm. um, that embers, oh, this, this is a good spot for embers to accumulate mm -hmm. uh, and then you've got a bottle of gasoline there um, mm -hmm. so uh, perhaps move that move it out to zone one move it out to zone two ideally um, and 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 get it away from from your home mm -hmm. um, then things like your your eaves and and um, and gutters keep them clean mm -hmm. um, we know that if if a gutter melts off the the wall is going to be exposed embers are going to get in there yeah. cause them to vents and openings we want to have them screened to prevent embers um, from impinging the home or entering the home mm -hmm. stuff on your deck decks are a big problem as are fences yeah we know that wood fences are quite often tucked right up to our house because mm -hmm. they separate us from the property next door Wood fences, I was explaining to, I was at a trade show the other day and there was a kid saying, well, why is my fence a problem? I'm like, that's a really good question. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that a 10-year-old is asking me this. Really, it's really good because it was. she was curious as to why a wood fence was such an issue. Yeah. I said, you think about when your mom or dad lights your birthday candle. What happens when they light the top of the candle? And she said, well, it'll, it'll melt down and the candle starts to melt. And I said, that's the wick. And the wick is always going to be feeding and, and using that wax to support it. So as that fire moves its way down the the, the candle, eventually the candle's gonna be gone. So we need to <laughs> we, we and it's gonna melt away. So the 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 the, the fence is much like a wick and okay. it will if it's attached to your home, it's just a direct line for fire mm. to travel and and ultimately impact your home or property. So wood fences are if you can Break it up for 1.5 meters, have a metal gate, install a metal gate to, to break up the continuity of the fuel towards okay. your home. Yep. Um, those are really simple things that you can do. Just knock out 1.5 yeah. meters worth of wood and put in a metal gate. Uh, gates yeah. are lovely. Well, there's lo um, yeah, there's lots of nice metal stuff. doesn't have to be a chain link fence. Right. Like you can no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it can add aesthetically to the home too. Um, and, you know, you don't have to tear down the whole fence, but this is a quick and easy solution and, and workaround. Yeah. Um, also, decks are a huge problem. Mm -hmm. We know that um, deck board spacing, it's typically, we'll, we'll see a quarter of the, or sorry, an eighth of an inch spacing. So the door, the door, the deck boards are very tight together. Mm -hmm. We encourage a quarter of an inch spacing between there. So embers don't have the ability to accumulate uh, um, and, and sit there and pool essentially right. on the deck boards. Most decks are wood. And, um, and then cause the the deck to light on fire and we've, we've seen that happen so actually having just that gap there and allowing it to fall through onto the soil beneath will allow it to just kind of smolder itself out right. and so we'll right. create the flame that'll okay right good and then the critically important it's a new ad addition to the fire smart home ignition zone is the 1.5 meters of non-combustible surface mm -hmm. around your home i get i'll be honest five <laughs> I, feet for the americans out five there. feet for the americans <laughs> yes sorry <laughs> i use my inches for the deck board <laughs> uh, they should get on the metric system already yeah. the rest of the world is yeah i, 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 I meant to say uh, and five feet but um yes it's uh that zero to 1.5 meters five feet around your home um, the Americans would be very familiar with the firewise program um, and the the non-combustible zone zero to five feet 
This area is mission critical. Keeping this area clean and free of combustible debris, such as bark mulch, junipers, cedars, mm. wood piles, um, yeah. <laughs> right up against firewood. The all right, it's always up against the house for it some all, reason, well, or the shed, or the garage, or yeah. It's easy to access that way. Mm-hmm. And I always tell homeowners, um, okay, I get it. In the middle of the winter here in Canada, some spots of the world are <laughs> of Canada, it can be minus 20, minus 30 if you're in Alberta. And we, we, we know that um, it, it's not super nice to have to lumberjack through <laughs> through the backyard to get to your woodpile. Um, so you know what? Move it in in the wintertime. Keep it close to the house. We get it. That That's fine. But the second the snow melts and spring is in the air, yep. you need to take the op- opportunity to move it away from the house because it is a huge vulnerability. And mm-hmm. it, just think about it. Why do you like, why do you light, um, a camp, what do you use for a campfire? You use wood. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and what does it do? It generates radiant heat to keep you warm in the evening. So what's it going to do? It's going to generate waiting, radiant heat cause your, your siding to melt off and ultimately impinge the home and, and cause you to, to, you know, potentially lose your home. So it's yeah. it's a good, easy, that is a, what I call a roll up your sleeves item that you can take, play, can take place in it. an afternoon, just do it. it yeah. it's, an, it's an easy activity mm-hmm. with great results and great benefit. Yeah, for sure. I think that's one of the things that a lot of people, another one of those things that people kind of don't recognize, right, is that it doesn't like... You know what I mean? You think about the nature of fire, right? It all—it always starts off as just a spark, and then eventually turns into a wildfire or whatever, right? right. Like it's like it feeds itself. So I, I think people assume that like, oh, if like one ember gets in like right in there, it's not a big deal, right? But that's all it takes. Like it's it's a self-perpetuating system, right? It- <laughs> yes, and th- and then it, there's there there's sort of that pathway that that we see where one item catches on fire, and if you have continuous combustible items on your property and your landscaping bed it's just a matter of time before it reaches the home and, yeah. and, and meets the home. Mm-hmm. And so it's a big um, barrier and deterrent for, for homeowners when you tell them about all these activities that they need because it can be overwhelming. Yeah. But I try to break it up into two fields. Mm-hmm. The first field being the roll up your sleeves field. This, <laughs> yeah. this is the, you know what? Plan for it. Just commit to yourself that for four hours every weekend, every two weekends, you are going to roll up your sleeves and get busy on your property, reducing wildfire risks Mm -hmm. and ultimately improving the survivability and reducing the vulnerability of your home. Mm -hmm. Then there's those long-term planning items. So you have a cedar shake roof. Not a good choice from a fire smart perspective. Yeah. You have vinyl siding. And it hurts my heart to hear yeah. that. Like, <laughs> I, like, I, hate, I, I, I know that, but it still hurts when I'm like, ah, it looks so good though. <laughs> well, you know what though? There are new interlock, interlock um, roof systems that have come out. They are metal, mm. but they're made to look very much, and, and they are um, UL certified. So they, they are okay. a good choice, and go. they look very much like a, a cedar shake roof. Right. I mean, from a distance, you can't tell the difference. <laughs> 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 but but um, from a fire smart perspective, there oh yay yeah for sure <laughs> a lot better but um so we we do know that um or sorry a class a roof i said you all class class a um roof so that which is a which is a far better option um than a cedar shake which yeah is, which of is course not, yeah <laughs> <laughs> highly vulnerable yeah okay well you think about the fact that like a lot of people will use like cedar shavings to start a fire right there's a reason for right, that <laughs> it ignites really quickly yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah so that's Ooh. um that's um oh, those are sort of the some of those long-term planning you know mm-hmm. plant when you do but when you do upgrade your roof here are some great choices here here are the choices you and here's why it's important and right that, yeah that's good yeah we're we'll gonna make sure to put some links in there at the in the show notes for people to find these oh, resources yeah. right because i think the easier we can make it for people to find you know what i mean that like that diagram of the of the house and like what you should be doing and kind of you know ways to think about it i think that'll it makes it easier for them than having to go look right at least i'm lazy that way so it's i assume everyone else is but <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know um historically fire smart canada has relied really heavily on print material, paper-based resources for Mm. Canadians. And through various campaigns that we've had over the last several years, we've been asking people, what are you looking for? What Mm -hmm. what resources would be of the most value to you and why? Mm. And we've taken all of that, collected it, and took it taken it very seriously and um started to action some of the suggestions where the majority of people were saying. uh, And we heard from so many people, (laughs) so many Canadians, that they were looking for a homeowner fire smart app they they wanted a mobile app so we're working very hard right now to develop what will be called the fire smart begins at home app and it's going to have some features such as um, the assessment so a self-assessment so if i want uh, right now what it um 
it worries me because our structure and site hazard assessment, if you do it, you wind up with an extreme score, but not a lot of activity, not a lot of um, context and, and, and ability to know why, what, yeah. why mm-hmm. and, and why and why is this important and why should I do it? So we've built that into the new mobile app and the nice. self-assessment and it makes suggestions. You know what? Great choice. You have a class A roof. This is a great choice. This is why. Here's some important maintenance tip. Okay, you've got a cedar shake roof. Not, we don't say it this way, of course, but <laughs> it's not the best choice. <laughs> Here's why your roof is one of the most vulnerable components of your home. Right. Here's some suggestions when you do make the upgrade. Yeah. And then we ask people to make commitments. So they're, mm-hmm. we go through you know a variety of components of the home and out to 100 meters from the foundation. Mm-hmm. But we're asking them so that there's a bit of an accountability check yeah. um, to commit. Say, I commit to moving my wood pile. I commit to cleaning my eaves on a regular basis. I commit to cleaning off my deck um, and so on and so on. I mm-hmm. commit when I do upgrade my roof, I'm going to upgrade to a class A ignition resistant roof. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we hold them accountable and, and check in with them. The, the, it's built into the system where oh, nice. we'll be saying, okay, on this day, you committed to cleaning roofs. We just wanted to check in and ah. see how things are going and, and make sure. And there'll be a resource library, gamification, and the ability to set targets and goals for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then also, much like Fitbit, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but much like Fitbit, there'll be yeah, <laughs> there'll be badges where yeah. um, once you achieve a certain number of commitments, um, you'll get a badge. And then there'll be the ability to social share. And yeah. really what we're trying to do is get the word out there as much. No, that makes sense. Because I mean, the reason people are so into, you know, video games on their phone and stuff like that is because it's like, you got an award, right? That sense of achievement somehow. So I think one option you got to have in there for when they, uh, when they you, you ask them, did you, did you follow through? And they say, no, I didn't. You got to have the the Newman from Jurassic Park. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, yeah. That, that, oh, that's awesome. That's a really cool. So, is there anything like that out there, like for in the states, even or anything like that? Uh, or not is that it... I'm aware of. No, and, nice. Uh, so this did, is one of kind. That's good. yeah. And really did a lot of research and digging into mm. that. There, there may be. Uh, Firewise, for example, uh, hasn't come up with one yet, but I right. work very closely with the NFPA and the Firewise program, yeah. and they're so on top of things. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they're, they've they already got one in the works, and yeah. I could certainly ask, but um, they, they're, um, and I imagine that it sort of seems to be the way things are going, and, totally. and, it, and it makes, allows us mm-hmm. um, as an organization to keep our information current mm-hmm. in an easy way, and, and but not only keep it current, but get it in, pe- in front of people um, instantly, which which yeah. will be so exciting. Well, that's just it, right? It's like everybody has, like everyone has content that they want to get out there to the public, to educate the public, to help them live their life better or, or mitigate the risk. But making it, that's the thing. Like you could make an awesome website, but if nobody knows about it, it's never going to be seen. So it has to be promoted somehow. It has to get out there. And if you can put it on an app where it's like, it's right there, it's with you all the time, like that makes it so much easier and more likely for it to be used, right? right. So no, that's huge. And, and based on, the feedback we've gotten from folks saying that they want it. I'm hoping that right as soon as we launch it on social media and let people know that it's available, we're going to be like, oh my gosh, we can't keep up with the downloads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's everyone's dream, yeah. right? I still have that dream with this podcast, right? Be like, oh, it's just blowing out of proportion, right? Like, unfortunately, but you got some funding behind you, so maybe it'll maybe it'll go for you. I hope it does. But like, yeah, that's, that's the tough part, right? Convincing people that it's important. So I think that's, uh, no, that's awesome. That's really cool. Making it easy for them to, to make that assessment. So, uh, okay. So continuing on, uh, so with the fire smarts, we talked about kind of what it is. And then, so that's like, that's one aspect of it, right? Is the home protection kind of home prevention aspect, right? So moving on. So that's right next to your house. So let's, let's move out from there. So there's, there's resources at hand for people to get, and I'll put that in the, in the show notes for people to find. Um, so like what's the next kind of stage, next, next complex situation that's happening. Right. And, and it's the home ignition zone is zero to 100 meters from Mm. your foundation and our typical residential neighborhoods that we see in many of our urban environments that are also in the wild under urban interface, 100 meters from the foundation is quite often three doors down in, in in your next door neighbor. And you don't have the ability to tell your neighbor, you know what? I'm really worried about wildfire. Uh, You don't with any authority have Mm. (laughs) You tell your neighbor or your neighbor two doors down, I'm really worried about wildfire. I don't like what you have in your home, my home ignition zone (laughs) in your backyard. Bring us some cookies. (laughs) Maybe they'll be more likely to. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we have 
And we saw that and realized, you know what? It's not only important for individual homeowners or private landowners or residents. Mm-hmm. Um, we often have renters um, that, that that they take ownership, but we need them to be talking to one another yeah, and yeah. coming up with a plan. So assessing the hazard within the community, having a, a qualified professional uh, such as a local, what we have are our local fire smart representatives, which are typically municipal or indigenous community representatives mm-hmm. that we've trained as a local fire smart representative come out, assess the hazard, um, do a community hazard assessment, and then turn around and make recommendations to the community and say, you know what, I've assessed your community, here's what I found, here's my suggestions for things that you guys can collaborate and work together Mm. um, to to tackle, essentially. And then the community forms a board, works together, comes up with a plan, and I know you you know a lot about this, (laughs) the amazing work that that, that MJ has done in Slave Lake. Incidentally, my mother is all over this. Yes, she is. And uh, there have, they have more communities in uh, the MD Lesser Slave River that have been recognized in Alberta than any other municipality across the province. So, yeah, they've done this really spearheaded. They've been very lucky too. Well, I mean, unlucky and then very lucky to get the funding afterwards, right? So it's like they've they've had a, a huge influx of, of money and, and, and funds towards that. And I, that's something I want to get into a little bit later is we'll get into that. But for now, let's focus on the on the zones. Or whatever, Sorry, so. yeah. No, no, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting carried off. <laughs> no, but, but within, um, w- with those overlapping home ignition zones, it's about collaborating, coming yes. together, having those discussions regularly with your neighbors, talking to them, and then working together. Coming up with a plan and, as we say, implementing solutions. Mm-hmm. And then what FireSmart Canada does is we recognize them as a FireSmart recognized community and we have a big celebration. And it's something, it's an, and it's an incentive for the community to be able to, to say that we're a recognized FireSmart community. Right. And then also um, there's the value in that they're, they're working together and they, they're all talking about wildfire regularly. They're mm-hmm. having mock exercises. They're holding work bees to collaboratively come together and, and reduce fuels within the community and helping one another out, which is always a big barrier that we see too. Yeah, no, that is an interesting point. And I I was speaking with uh, actually my mom (laughs) in preparation (laughs) for this a little bit. And I was asking her about some of the things that like helped, right? And she was saying for a small communities, little hamlets and villages and that, you just set like one day a year where you say, okay, we're going to have a barbecue. Everyone, we're going to have a barbecue. But when you come out, you have to do some fire smart for four hours. We're all going to come together. We're going to eat and we're going to clean up some brush and we're going to do some whatever. Right. And then she said, just that alone, you do that every year. Like that adds up over time and it makes a big difference. Right. And it can be an event. It doesn't have to be a chore that you have to do. It can be a fun thing that you do as a community. Right. right. So. And, and your, your mom's communities that she works with are really good examples mm. um, because it, it, it's a routine for them now. They, mm. they start planning for it months in advance and, mm. and they know it's happening. Everyone has it on their calendars and mm. it's just, it's part of the routine. It's part yeah. of the community fire smart routine. One thing that some feedback that Fire Smart Canada did receive from our recognized fire smart communities nationally was, it's I, we really as a community want to do this, but we don't have the money to do yes. it, and and that's a big barrier for us. So in 2015, we launched Wildfire Community Preparedness Day in Canada, mm-hmm. and we did this in collaboration with the National Fire Protection Association, the FireWise program out of the U.S., who's one of our strategic okay. partners nice. um, internationally. We also um, did that in collaboration with the Institute for Catastrophic Loss Reduction, which is an insurance research um, agency here in Canada. Okay. Uh, and then also the Cooperators Insurance, which is one of our longstanding strategic insurance partners that we have in, co- in Canada. And they've mm. been absolutely incredible when it comes to leading the way um, from a wildfire resilience perspective. Well, they got an invested stake and not wanted to pay people out, right? So. <laughs> Really, they really, and, and they, the thing that I always like to point out is because I've been getting a lot of phone calls from insurers um, since over the last couple of years. It's I been imagine, a, it's yeah. been rough since 2016, <laughs> and we, we've. Um, but the thing is, cooperators has been working with us since 2013, and and oh, okay. we we have a long standing awesome. relationship with them, and they recognized it as an issue uh, long before it, it became a uh, an issue everyone was talking about in Canada. Yes. So yeah. um, we, but but with that, with the Wildfire Community Preparedness Day, we've um, thanks to funding sp- support from all of our partners on the committee, um, we put out applications or opened an application program for communities, municipalities, from ac- Indigenous communities from across the country to apply for a $500 stipend that they can then use to hold a FireSmart event mm-hmm. in their community um, sometime over the summer. 
When we first launched in 2015, um, we had enough funding to give out 20 awards, and we received 24 applications. And I, I admit, as the days were getting closer to the deadline, I'm like, oh, man, are we going to have enough applicants? I was yeah. so scared. And we were doing everything we could to promote it. Jump ahead to 2019, this year, we had 255 applications, nice. and we're and we're posi- we in we gave out 20 awards in 2015, and here we are in 2019, and we'll be giving out 130. So nice. it, it's been we've Is seen that Canada wide, Canada wide. That's yes. awesome. And when we first started, we got zero applications from places like Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Quebec, Ontario. We just weren't seeing the applications. Mm. This year, we've had a dramatic increase in the number of applications. We had um, more than double um, received in Newfoundland this year. We had our first applications from Quebec, like endless applications from Ontario. It's been it's been really great. So that's, that, awesome. that's a good measure for us. We're, we're seeing that growth. Then we know that while we wish it was a thousand applications that we're getting, we'll get there. And and at mm. least we're seeing continued growth and interest from yep. communities you gotta start across the country. Square one, right? Right, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. sometimes it doesn't happen overnight. So <laughs> Yeah, sometimes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's true. Mm-hmm. So Okay. So yeah. So like the, so the funding thing is like, that's, that's the big thing that I've heard too. Like places like we'll say Slave Lake or Fort McMurray and stuff like that. Like now that they've seen a catastrophic, catastrophic event, they've had this influx in funding towards FireSmart and, you know, like new equipment and all kinds of different stuff, which is huge. But how do we, and so now those communities, now that they've had that experience, they, they're really, really prepared for the next one, right? Like right. They're, they're taking out giant swaths of, of, of problematic vegetation within a kilometer of town. They're doing their, you know, there's communities coming together and fixing up their own neighborhoods and all that kind of stuff. But unfortunately, like it took that catastrophic event for that to happen. So, and also for them to get that funding, to get the attention that they need to get the funding. Right. So how, uh, how are we working towards getting, more and more of that funding. And I realize this is hard to do because I mean, it's, I mean, just getting the funding yourself is probably difficult enough. So how do, how do communities that aren't, you know, haven't had that catastrophic event happen, how do they get the attention that they want to get, you know, loads of funding to have a fire smart team or whatever. Right. Right. And, I think that um, that's a very good question, and it's uh, and it's <laughs> that's com- why I asked <laughs> it. <laughs> and it's a complex answer. And we do historically always see large insertions of funding to not only municipalities from a recovery perspective, mm-hmm. um, with from with fire smart programming or wildfire mitigation, all hazards essentially um, preparedness. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we also see it at the provincial territorial scale too. Yeah, we haven't had impact the wildfire events that have taken place in bc and alberta haven't happened in in other provinces and territories well Mm -hmm. there and while there have don't get me wrong when i say this there have been catastrophic wildfires and deeply impactful wildfires in every province across Mm -hmm. this across this country um but it it, it's really going to have to be about at the municipal scale it needs to be uh, and i've learned this through experience you have to be able to demonstrate measurable results and we're trying to develop our programs from an educational perspective that support them to do that Mm -hmm. at a provincial territorial scale i think it's just about persistence and i don't have a good answer for that i it's hard funding is always the problem right i mean every political debate that's ever happened it's always about funding right so it's like that's a big problem so that's kind of why i was what can people do to get that right it's tough keep track of everything Mm -hmm. have good data be able to demonstrate that what you're doing makes a miserable role and you also need to demonstrate the need and i don't think that it's an issue for a community a municipal or sorry a province or territory outside of bc alberta saskatchewan um to use our experiences and what we've gone through mm-hmm. to as, as evidence when when going through a, a budget cycle or, or asking for funding i think just say look what's happening in the west trends are demonstrating this isn't going away mm-hmm. chances are and we need to act now let's not be in a position where we're reacting yeah let's be let's be be proactive and and exactly. mitigate it now mm-hmm. but it is it, it's so difficult and i've i've sat at both scales both um the municipal and the provincial chair and and know that it's not easy to get money money budget dollars are, are so hard and from a municipal scale um or perspective um 
prevention and mitigation dollars mm-hmm. are are very even more difficult for yeah. for municipalities. So, um, it a lot of funding goes towards operations. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's frustrating because people suck generally speaking at like preparing for the future. We just we just don't <laughs> do it very well, right? So it's yeah. But we do have a lot in our favor, and yeah. um, that is that the there's a, a large emphasis from a federal perspective on that they acknowledge that there is an a climate adaptation, mm-hmm. um, climate resilience disaster issue in, yeah. in, in Canada. Things are getting worse. It, yeah. The proof is in the paper, you know, or in the stats and the data. So the federal government has come up with several programs that are available to provinces and territories across the country mm-hmm. that support provinces and territories with disaster mitigation and adaptation. That's so um, there, there there are opportunities to access funding at a national scale. You just have to um, do it, yeah. You just have to go through the process which, yeah. which and, and know about it, which, which is also another um, So challenge. what about finding that that funding or that time or that focus just within the community itself, right? Because there's, I mean, every every rural community especially has, you know, they got a water council and they got a municipality and then they've got all kinds of different you know, boards and councils and interest groups and including anything from, you know, birding groups and stuff like that or whatever. Um, are we seeing, is there, is there an opportunity there for them to come together and do some of this stuff? Couldn't emphasize the importance of that more. Yeah. Um, and I've seen where it works. It, we, okay. we have evidence of that working. What oh, is happening? Good. There, there are That's awesome. Po- and there's power in numbers. <laughs> really, ah. the more people that you have at the table, and one of our seven fire smart disciplines is interagency cooperation. And while there's an operational perspective to that, like let's talk before the ac- the event happens <laughs> and the, let's plan. Um, that that's certainly a component of it. But I always align communication, relationships, working groups, talking about your objectives making a plan, collaborating, working together as part of interagency cooperation is too. And I almost put just as much emphasis on the importance of that. Um, Roll out your FireSmart plan at whether it be a municipal scale, an indigenous community scale, a provincial scale, by working with all the people that have a stake in the game. And having that ongoing and consistent communication is is so critical. Mm-hmm. It, it it makes a huge difference. And once you have everybody's perspective at the table, you're going to start to learn. Okay, you know what? I hadn't thought of that. I came up with this what I thought was a fantastic idea. And but now that I hear from you, um, you know your perspective, your needs, your challenges, your barriers, things that you're facing. Let's tweak this approach a little bit mm-hmm. and and see if we can tackle it together. Yeah. Well, that's just it. And that's. That kind of comes to one of the things that I, I I came into when I was discussing FireSmart with other other you know people that have, have that have different kind of values and they're thinking about you know stuff like like habitat values and you know watershed values and that kind of stuff and trying to make sure that everybody at the table understands that like you know what I mean this protecting our homes so that we can we have the energy and the uh, capacity to rest and 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 take care of the thing around us is this number got to be number one right so so how do you how do you start to convince say like a like a birding group or something like that because i mean for example what, we didn't discuss this really but like one of the tenants of fire smart is removing that that ladder fuel right that under that understory vegetation that allows for flames to climb from the from the forest floor up into the canopy right and become a problem so getting rid of that that understory layer so it's just the ground and then a giant gap and then the branches makes a big difference um but we speak to people who are involved in you know habitat restoration and that kind of stuff and and especially a lot of songbirds they're 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 ground nesting or they're 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 in the shrubs and that kind of stuff so when you eliminate a giant swath of that around the town which tends to be where people like to go hiking and birding and, and 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 camping or whatever so how do you how do you start to talk with those groups and get them on board with this? Because th- I could see it being a problem if you had somebody who was very just adamant, like, no, nature's important. And it's like, yeah, we couldn't agree more, but we have to protect ourselves as well, right? Yeah, and I've I've dealt with that a lot mm-hmm. in, in my career in both uh, from a provincial and a municipal scale. And it, what I've learned, and um, and I don't know that this is the right answer to be giving you, but 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 what I've learned is taking the time to listen, mm-hmm. acknowledge, understand, and see where there are opportunities for you to meet in the middle. Yeah. And and that's um, here's what we're doing. Here's why it's important to us. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. I wonder. I understand your concerns, mm-hmm. and and I value them. Where can we? meet in the middle what what can we do so we still have the end result that we're wanting reduced risk hazard and risk to the community mm-hmm. um 
but we're still meeting your goals and objectives too. Yeah. And, and it's really about, again, furthering that communication and, and having those ongoing discussions and yeah. inviting them to have a seat at the table when you're talking about the FireSmart program yes. at the community scale. That ha- having them there to share their thoughts goes a long way. Yeah, no, for sure. And that makes sense. It's just shown time and time again, right? Like you have to have all the stakeholders at the table to make to get everybody on board. Otherwise, someone could sabotage it easily, right? Right. <laughs> and and, and it, it's really, there's nobody to blame but, but you know, me. If I don't take do my due diligence, mm. find out everybody who has a stake in the game and a concern mm. and invite them to share their thoughts. I yeah. mean, and I would always, I always thought, I'm not making a good decision unless I do. So that's, and that are the right decisions. So that's, um, yeah, that's, that's been, it's valuable communication yeah. and oh yeah, continuous <laughs> communication is, is really important. The collaboration. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. totally. That makes sense. So that's, that's, it's interesting to see, to hear that you're having such a, such an influx and such an increase, like, you know, interest in FireSmart and stuff like that. And like, that's, that's awesome. So obviously you guys are doing a good job of like getting well, your business out there, right? Well, and, <laughs> and it, it's, we, we are um, still struggling. It, it yeah. is a struggle. There are a lot of Canadians uh, that are living in, in the Wild and Urban Interface, 11 million to be exact. Mm. And we are not exact, but somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's an awful lot of people mm-hmm. and getting in everyone's back door, backyard and influencing change is, is not easy. And of course from a Fire Smart Canada perspective, we're always struggling for mm-hmm. funding. We're not for profit. Mm-hmm. Um, we rely on our membership uh, revenue to to help us keep the lights on and keep fighting the good fight and yeah. doing the work creating new programs resources and tools that are going to support our membership across the country so we really need people to join hands with us yeah. become a member have a seat at the table tell us what they need what they want what they expect yeah. and we're, we value that input from our membership and we're going to do everything we can to to support them with their needs yeah no that's good yeah it's it's funny this this type of stuff it just requires it requires that 10,000 foot view, right? Like it really requires you to just take a step back and go, okay, what is really important versus like, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, yeah but it's, 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 it's good to hear that we're seeing that change in the, in the right direction. Right. And it's, yeah. I, I'm sure it's a huge part, you know, has to do with what you guys are doing. And I imagine that the giant flames on the screen probably also have a you know, play a role. <laughs> they do. They, yeah. they, it's amazing. Our, we always, um, are always preparing ourselves for when we know we're heading into a busy fire season okay everybody brace yourselves because it's going to get it's going to get busy yeah. and and but what we're trying to do and and we're we're doing through various programming is expanding our educate our communication throughout the year so it's always top of mind for people and things like the the fire smart begins at home app mm-hmm. is always going to keep it front of mind for people which is mm-hmm. which is what we want to do yeah but it's that, like you said it continuously you got to bombard people with that information right. to get them into it right so yeah no, it's huge <laughs> i imagine for a lot of people too when they see that kind of stuff they just they kind of look at it a little bit like climate change you know like a lot of people you'll hear when you talk about climate change like maybe it's changing now but at least like a few years ago they'd say yeah yeah it's happening but what are we going to do and just kind of like nothing i can do about it so i imagine looking at something that's got you know 400 foot flames you probably go well that's overwhelming there's nothing i can do it's obviously going to eat my house if it wants to but the truth of the matter is like we were talking about those it's those ember showers that cause the problem and it's not necessarily the licking of the flames and convincing people that they have a huge role of whether or not their house survives something like this right and it's 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 mainly up to them it's not like you were saying the resources aren't available for firefighters to take out every fire when especially when there's 30 on one block and then another 20 on the next block and then some in the middle of town and like there's just not enough resources to to fix that right yeah yeah and it's and 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 then having the house also it seems like a lot of the homes that do end up burning up, right? You might have one home that goes up in flames and the reason the rest of the community goes down is because that fire spreads from that house to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. And it's just one house can take down another, right? And it's it's so, like you're exactly what you're saying, right? Just because your house is fire smart, if your neighbor's house isn't, isn't also fire smarter, then you might still be screwed. And so it's a, it's a communal, I imagine, a, I imagine just like, it's another one of those things. It's like a, it's like a social justice issue almost where it requires a cultural shift, right? To have this, be effective and that's what we need yeah. and i always it's when you mentioned um if your neighbor's home ignites and, and we see them typically on the average across mm-hmm. canada when it comes to provincial building codes minimum spatial separation between homes minimum code mm-hmm. is two meters from foundation to foundation and yeah. that that's not a lot you could pass sugar with that yeah. and we we do know um that structure to structure ignition and we've seen it mm-hmm. in multiple um wild and urban interface fires where homes have been impacted that mm-hmm. structure to structure ignition one home 
home ignites and it's like a domino effect yeah. through through the community. But I always joke to homeowners because I try to make it fun. But <laughs> <laughs> when we're talking about the community recognition program, you've got your house. You're you're focused on that. You're paying attention. But you think about your the house next door. That's pretty much a humongous woodpile. So just yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> which can yeah. generate an awful lot of radiant heat. Mm-hmm. And you need to be talking to your neighbors. Communication, as I said before, yeah. is is pretty critical. Yeah, that could be a tough one. Yeah. Some bad neighbors out there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and there's some, there's some resistance, but it's amazing what we've seen. And it's funny because your mom, we've seen it in some of the communities that she works in. There's that one person that does it. That, mm-hmm. And we have a we have a resident, I, can, I did an interview with him, and he, he you know, was worried about it. It really concerned him. Yeah. He was worried about wildfire, did not want to go through what he went through again. And, and um, he, he, so he, he, t- he went to town on his property taking fire smart action. We did an assessment of his home, made some recommendations, and he called us back and said, I want you to come back. I've, yeah. I've, been, I've been busy. <laughs> and so we went back and it was incredible what had taken place what what yeah. he had done but what ha- what we started to see was how he became an influencer within within that community and people mm-hmm. were asking him why did you do that and hearing it from him versus someone in a uniform made made a really big difference. Yeah. And okay, you know what? You see the value in it. I get it from you. You're regular Joe. You've been my neighbor for ten years. I, you're a great guy. We have barbecues and a beer together. You're you're yeah. you're great. Yeah. Um, let uh, maybe I should get on board. And it's amazing. We and I, we've got examples of this across the company, country, country company, country, yeah. where um, there's been that one superstar influencer that was willing to roll up his sleeves and get busy, or her sleeves and get busy and they've influenced behavior within the community and empowered others to do the same. That's awesome. Yeah, that's all it takes. You got to start somewhere, right? Just right. like everything. Start yeah. one step at a time and yeah. move towards the right direction. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's awesome. So it's, do, uh, do you guys have any, uh, I was thinking, because earlier we were talking about like those diagrams and kind of, and, and videos that people can watch of say like a, a home undergoing a wildfire threat pre and post uh, fire smart, right? right? So just to just to hit the point home of this for people to like visualize it, is there some place people can go to like visualize that that difference so they can really understand how much of an impact they can have on their own yes, property? Yes, yes. Yeah. And actually, Fire Smart Canada just got um, a good friend of mine is a researcher at the Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety, mm-hmm. and they've posted all these crazy amazing videos from their research. They have a big shop in North Carolina where they have an ember generator, and they basically build buildings and blow blast embers at them all and they have them built and designed and constructed of various building materials and this recent video i have got permission i haven't posted it on the website but i do have permission from the ibhs to post it on the fire smart canada website um so it is it is it will be there um and then it's it is also on our facebook page so we as well as twitter we've been sharing the tweets and they have links to to all of the um all these videos that's the best way to get it across right like it's just that just visualizing like, wow, like, okay, it blew right through that. And then seeing, it, it's it's weird to watch sometimes almost, right? Like if you watch the the fire approaching and it just seems like it's going to just keep on blowing through, but it hits green grass or it hits something that just knocks it down. And it does, it just stops. It's amazing. Like it really is. It's weird. You, you can't really understand it if you've never seen it before. So that's why I think it's important for people to go and find that. So And, yeah. and the, the, the video that is currently posted on the IBHS website, it's disastersafety.org okay. is, is their, way, their website. Um, it's, it's so powerful. Yeah. It, and, and we, from the research that they recently conducted, they just did it a few weeks ago, this most recent burn. Um, it took 10 minutes for the home that was non-fire smart um, to be fully engulfed. Like it, it didn't take long. So yeah. yeah, or not fully engulfed, but the everything was on fire. Right, it was all on fire. I get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fire smart smarted house probably didn't have ignition it, of the house at all. Or? Not at all. Not at all. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's a it's a big difference. And like having, I think if you live in Alberta, like everybody in Alberta knows somebody or that's been through this situation, right? Who's been evacuated or their home's been destroyed. And it's like, this is a reality that we, I think people need to really come to terms with. And it's, but it's, it's still like, I think visualizing it's going to help a lot. So no, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to have to add in, I'm going to have to try to remember all the, 
all the links oh, to add I, in. I'll, I, you know, if you have a card, I can email you. That, yeah, I will just links. throw them yeah. all in, as many yeah. as we can. We'll, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll say video, <laughs> and then I'll say website, and then yeah. I'll say, because yeah, I think people need to see that kind of stuff. And then once we release the app, you can throw app in yes. there. Yes, <laughs> and then the app on there too, absolutely. Yeah. No, because that's important for people to get to. And especially, so when, when are you expecting the release of the app? Wait, three months. It'll oh, be, okay. It'll so be a year. bit, but we're, we're, it's, it's a big job, but we're, we're getting close. Yeah. It's amazing how yeah. big of a job it is to like make a website <laughs> or make it. It's like, it does take a long time. Yeah. And I, I had no idea. When yeah. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and it wasn't so we our, our fire smart begins at home mobile app um for firefighters is an assessment tool it, it the the flashiness of it is um not anything close to what we want the the fire smart begins at home app to be because it's for canadians and the general public to be visually appear, yes. appealing engaging with the home partners you're doing an assessment so it's it's not it's not super exciting and flashy whereas the fire smart begins at home app is going to be got to make it fun. Fun. Gotta make it fun. Gotta, <laughs> wanna keep, gotta make people want to go through and complete the whole assessment. And <laughs> awesome. Well, this, yeah. is, this is great. This is perfect. I think we I think we've covered kind of awesome. what I was hoping to get through. So just as like any final thoughts, anything you really that we didn't get to that you wanted to discuss. We still have time, like I'm not in a hurry or anything. Oh yeah, so. no, no. Um well, first off, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks this for coming is, on. Yeah, we're yeah. always looking for chances and opportunities to make people aware of the Fire Smart Canada program, the programs, resources, and tools that we um, that we have and mm-hmm. have available. Really encourage communities across Canada to become a member and join us in mm-hmm. our journey as we um, work to develop new programs, resources, and tools. And, and we never like to create a resource because we thought it was a good idea. Mm-hmm. We want to hear it from our membership mm-hmm. and hear from them. This is why mm-hmm. I think I need this product. This is why it's important. And then have a discussion around it and then get busy. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Making products. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I think that's, awesome. if, if you're good, then I'm, I'm good. good. Yeah, you're no, good? I'm good. Perfect. Thanks so much for coming on. Mm-hmm.